when I was uh, a teen, I was hanging out with one of my friends, actually. He was in my wedding, and we were kind of bored, and we got driving around. He was driving around, and he said, oh, I know, I know what we can do. And so we ended up uh, in and around uh, the Humane Society. I, I may have told this here before, so maybe you know this, maybe you don't. Um, but, but we just decided we'd look at some of the inscriptions and some of the stones for some of the pets for some reason. And the, the way that pet cemetery was located is that it was right on the edge uh, of a street, like right, ran alongside a street. And there was a, about a three-foot chain-link fence between it and the street. And right on the, on the side of the, the road there, were some um, uh, scrap cars because there was a junkyard across the road with gates and high fences and the whole deal. And we thought, hey, we're kind of bored of looking at this stuff. Let's hop the fence here and we'll just sit on the road and look at some of these cars. So we did. We hopped, hopped that about three-foot chain-link fence and there's a car right there, you know, like two, three feet away from the fence, not far. And um, we uh, looked in the back seat and saw some of the newspapers that were in there from the 60s and 70s and thought that was kind of cool. It must be an old car. wonder what happened. But we began to hear some things behind us at the junkyard across the road. And it was closed, and the gates were closed, and the fence was shut up. And, you know, like typical scrapyard, there's junk all over the place, and there were cars across the road and stuff like that. And we quickly noticed what was making the noise. It was two very large dogs that were not enclosed in the fence, but were just out on the road. So we did what you do, and we panicked, and we ran. We didn't have a, a long way to go to that, you know, three-foot chain-link fence and pretty much bounded that in one leap and landed on the ground and rolled and kept running till we got to the car. My friend was so nervous, he was shaking, he couldn't get his key in. And finally we got in and we sat down and we're breathing heavy. And you know that nervous laugh when you like avoided something really bad or, <laughs> right, we're laughing. And we realized the dogs had chased us but didn't go further than the fence. The first dog went out and around the back of the car and the other one leapt up onto the hood of the car and across. And they stopped at this three-foot chain-like fence. So we knew they could have made it over. And we couldn't figure out why these dogs weren't in the fence they were supposed to be in. But we were sure thankful that whoever trained them taught them not to go past the one at the Humane Society. You know, in life, we all have some fences. There are fences in our property. So uh, on your, where you live, a fence is a healthy thing. It's not a detrimental thing because you don't like your neighbors and you're really mean. It's just to, to help you understand what's yours, what's theirs. Problems occur, right, if you hop in your neighbor's yard and start cutting down a tree because you don't like it. That's their property. Problems occur when they hop over into your yard and just use your pool without asking, right? Those types of things happen. We have fences and boundaries for a reason. And like in the physical world, in the relational and the spiritual world, there are boundaries as well. Uh, sometimes these are well-known, sometimes we don't know them as much. And today, as we look at the third uh, message in our series on uh, playing well with others or relating well with others, relationships, not primarily dating and marriage, but just relating with others, we're going to look at this idea of boundaries. And I'm going to pull fairly heavily uh, from a resource called Boundaries. It's by Henry Cloud and John Townsend. I saw it at the back in the library resources, so if you're looking for that, it's back there. Maybe it's signed out already, but Pauline had brought it up for this series. Maybe it's back downstairs in the library, or you can find it. Wonderful re resource, very transformative. And so I'm only going to be able to touch on a little bit today. But here's what they say about Boundaries. 
Physical boundaries mark a visible property line that someone holds the deed to. You can go to the county courthouse and find out exactly where those boundaries of responsibility are and whom to call if you have business there. In the spiritual world, boundaries are just as real, but often harder to see. So boundaries help define uh, what is me and what is you, where I end and you begin. Like, what's my responsibility? What's your responsibility? And what do we share? And lots of problems happen when we don't understand that. And this idea of boundaries isn't some sort of psychological thing that maybe you've heard in counseling or read in a book or had in a training seminar at work that I'm superimposing over uh, scripture and trying to find it there desperately because it's a healthy thing I've learned. It's actually something that comes from God's Word. And I believe that all of the things we're teaching in this um, Playing Well with Others series actually come from the Bible and, and are truths that have been adapted and adopted by psychologists and people who help with relationships because they're just good principles and they're true. And God is the one who designed us with boundaries. In fact, it's his idea. God is a God. God of boundaries, excuse me. He knows who he is. Uh, we are created in his image, but we are not him. There are parts of God that we, we are not. We will never be. Where we end and he begins, but he invites us into relationship. Within himself, God has boundaries. As three in one, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he has boundaries within himself. Fully one, but unique personalities and purpose. So between the Son and the Father and the Holy Spirit, unity, one, relationship, full love, but there's a, a dividing in person and purpose. And he designed the world that way too. And so we have households or families where we have this unit that's one and unique and connected, but has diverse people in it where we're not the same as our sibling. We're not the same as our parent, but we're connected to them. And, and we have an end and they have a beginning. And, and marriage is the same. In fact, the Bible talks about marriage as being one, one flesh. We're connected, but it's two unique people, a, a husband and a, and a wife. There's a division, but there's a connection. And understanding where that boundary is, is very helpful. In fact, um, Jesus really models this well. I mean, Jesus putting aside some of his divinity, walking amongst us, uh, fully God, fully human, really helps us understand why boundaries are important and how to live that out. And so Jesus knew who he was and what he was about. He had a mission, a calling. He said, I don't do anything unless the Father tells me. He, he knew that. And so there were times where Jesus would be on mission and he said to his disciples, I must go to Jerusalem now. I've been doing kind of this phase of my ministry. I'm going here. And Peter said, no, like, don't do that. You're going to be killed. There's more things for you to do. And Jesus said, you don't have in mind the right purpose. Said a little harsher, get behind me, Satan. But um, that in itself, of itself, Jesus didn't cross a boundary. He didn't make Peter do anything. And he didn't let Peter dissuade him from his calling and his purpose. There are other times where Jesus was in a certain village or area or region and he was healing and ministering and he'd go missing and people would go looking for him and they would realize he's moving on. And they'd say, no, Jesus, stay here. You got to, we've got more for you to do. And he would say, this is not my father's call. It's now my time to move on. 
and in that, he wasn't being cruel to the people he was leaving. He wasn't favoring the people he was going to. He was doing what was necessary. He didn't manipulate others. He wasn't manipulated. He gave a call to follow him, and, and it's based on the Father's boundary. The, the Father says, in order to be in my kingdom, in order to live forever with me in the new heavens and new earth, you must believe in and receive what my Son has done for you. And so, just like your home, God's home, heaven, not this as his house. Sometimes we refer to the church as God's house. That's not what I'm saying. His home, heaven, uh, he has a boundary. So, you and your house, you may have a, a rule where you say, you know, like there's going to be no cocaine in this house. That, that's a good boundary. That's a healthy boundary, right? You may not have even considered that, that you have that boundary. But you probably do, right? There's going to be no violence in this house, right? You may say there's going to be no kind, these kind of movies or no this. Or you may say no tofu in this house. There's not going to happen in this house. You have boundaries, and based on that boundary is who you will or won't let into your home for the safety of your family. And God is the same. In order for God to have perfection, heaven, he says there will not be any sin. It's not that God can't be around sin. Sometimes we get that wrong. We think God's so holy, he can't be around sin. God came, fully God, fully man. Jesus walked among sin. He defeated sin. He's not afraid of sin. He conquers it. But God says, this is my boundary. And to come into my kingdom... You simply need to believe and receive in Jesus. And, and, and what I've done for you cleans you up and makes you pure, sets you apart that you can come into my house. And so Jesus had this calling, this mission, this purpose. And he passes it on to us. And we're going to look at that today. He said, you know, I have all authority and I send you into all the world to make disciples of all people. Teach them what I've taught you. Baptize them. Help them know how to follow me and be sure I'll be with you as you do that. We say that like people helping people follow Jesus. And so for Jesus, uh, he never put his will, his might, his power, his omniscience on others to make them do what they didn't want to do. He understood the boundaries of others. And so uh, who we would know, uh, some of you will know him as a rich young ruler. A, a man comes to Jesus and he'd followed the Old Testament law, the Jewish law, his whole life. And he's a pretty good guy, and he comes to Jesus basically to prove that he's good. And he says, you know, what more do I need to do? And Jesus says, you, for you, you need to sell all you own. You're holding on to that instead of me. And he let this man walk away. He didn't chase after him. He didn't say, if you only, or he let him walk away. And so Jesus understands boundaries. He wasn't manipulated by others. In fact, when he was falsely accused, he stood silent. So he wasn't manipulated by others. He didn't manipulate others. He understood boundaries. God doesn't overstep the boundary of free will. He puts things around us to influence us. He speaks to us. His spirit moves in our heart, but it's still our choice whether we believe or follow Jesus. So God has boundaries as part of the fabric of the world. Maybe you're still confused a little bit about what a boundary is or what I'm talking about. And Henry Cloud and John Townsend, they give some more examples. Words. Words are a, an example of how we define or explain our boundaries. And the most simple word boundary we can have in our life is no. When we say no, we are saying, I have control over my life and being, and, and I don't want to do that. 
I'm not saying whether we should say no or when it is right or wrong to say no. But when we say that, we are putting a boundary up. Now, another person may say, but I really want you to, or I really need you to, or won't you? When we say no, we're saying no. Despite what you ask, I'm not doing that. So that's a good example of a boundary. In fact, in the New Testament, Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. In other words, don't say yes when you want to say no. <laughs> don't say no when you should say yes. In fact, when Paul is teaching on giving, giving to the church and giving to the poor, he says, look, don't give because you have compulsion, because somebody tells you to, because you feel guilty. Decide in your own heart with God what you'll give and do that. Let your yes be yes, your no be no. Have that boundary about you. Truth. Truth is another boundary we have, and as followers of Jesus, we have a boundary of truth. We believe God tells us what is true and what is not, and based on that, we define our behavior and our belief, and we set boundaries in our life over what we will think and do, despite what others do around us. Other people can be doing or believing whatever they want, but for us, based on God's truth, we, we stay in here and don't cross certain lines with other people and behavior and what we expect of others and how we treat them. We have boundaries based on truth. We have boundaries based on time, don't we? Everyone has a finite amount of time. And when you're not good with your time and you just let everyone else define your time, you get frustrated, don't you? You get overwhelmed and burnout happens. And so someone says, hey, I need you to do this this weekend. And you think in your heart, Man, I can't do that, but I really should. I would love to do that. And you show up, and in your heart, you're bitter. And if that happens time and time again with the same person, what happens? Your relationship gets a little distant. You feel used, and you haven't set the boundary. Let your yes be yes, you know be no. You only have enough time. And so sometimes God asks us to give up our time and to do that willingly. And sometimes we need to be wise enough to say, I can't do that right now. Another boundary we have is emotions. And so we even talk, uh, the language we use for emotions has to do with boundaries. We say, I open, open up to another person or I let them in. So someone who's uh, shown us love or someone who has earned our trust, who has not hurt us, we tend to let in. But someone who has hurt us, someone who's used us, someone who's abused us, we must put a boundary up so that that doesn't happen again. And where it comes to forgiveness and reconciliation, uh, the, the process of forgiveness isn't a one-and-done thing in reconciliation where we meet and we talk with someone and then we let them back in. We have to keep a boundary up and move that over time as the relationship is healed and mended, as trust is earned and proven over time. So we have these boundaries. And so today I can't talk all about boundaries. If you want to know more about that, that's probably the best book, and it's a Christian resource, and it's good, it's biblical, and I'll draw on some of those truths today. The Boundaries book, there's podcasts and videos and teaching series and small group material and all sorts of stuff you can find on that. But for today, I want to focus on our mission, people helping people follow Jesus. As many people as are here and watching online and can think about this, you can define that phrase the way you want. And there's ways that we can make it fit what we want however we want it. Because if we're to be people helping people follow Jesus, that means we all should be helping each other all the time, regardless. So if I need help, right? So if, if I really need a hot tub, right? So I really need a hot tub, 
because I got a sore back, and Randy said he's got a sore back, and he's a board chairman. So we really need your help. So if you really love us, and if you really want to help the cause of Christ, you'll give a little bit extra. And by this time next year, Randy and I will have a hot tub. I can make it sound that way. You know right away you're like, <laughs> see ya. <laughs> this is not the church for me, right? You know <laughs> instinctively when someone is crossing a boundary, right? But I want to help us understand that. What does it mean to help one another? Really to answer some questions like, um, what's reasonable to ask for help with? What's reasonable to help someone with? What's reasonable to say no? And what's reasonable to actually shift and say, you know, I, I, I can do that. And, and here's why and how. Because it's important within a church family. And we're going to look specifically at Galatians 6 today. Now, the, the, the letter of Galatians, the book of Galatians in the New Testament, is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to church he knew very well in the province of Galatia. It's a Roman province. I did a series on this a number of years ago. You can look back in our sermon archive if you're interested in digging a little deeper into that. But there was a principle at work in this Galatian church that they had begun following Jesus very well under the ministry of Paul and others, and they were learning theology and how to be a, a church family and body together, as Randy said today. And at some point in time, some uh, Jewish leaders, I call them Judaizers, they came in and said, no, 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 you've got it all wrong, and taught them some, some wrong things that sounded a bit right, and they were really mixed up on how to live and, and be together as a church family. And so in the beginning of Galatians chapter 6, Paul is helping them understand how do we help one another? What's reasonable? How is it healthy? What is mine? What is yours? And what is ours? Galatians 6, 1 to 5, we're going to read it through first and then we're going to pick it through piece by piece, not in chronological order. Galatians 6, starting at verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens, and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Thanks. Uh, pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. Let's start with verse 3. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. We all have a, responsible, a responsibility as followers of Jesus uh, to others and for ourselves. And Paul is saying, look, if you think you're too important, too spiritual, too, you know, whatever, to help someone out, nope, <laughs> that, you'd be wrong. But I think the other can be applied here. Someone who feels that they don't have much to give. You know, I'm a newer believer. I'm new at Country Hills, or I'm new in this friendship, or I'm new in this neighborhood, or I don't have much to give. But Paul's saying it applies to everyone. We're all called to help one another, all of us. Defining how that works out in our life is actually the most important part. And so we'll hop back a verse to verse 2. Share each other's burdens, and in this way, Obey the law of Christ. Share or carry one another's burdens. There is a sharing that takes place. Now, the authors of this book talk about um, 
uh, this as a boulder. And today we're going to talk about boulders and backpacks so we can remember um, what's mine, what's yours, and what's ours. And there are things that take place in our life, seasons, tragedies, things that come on us that there's no way any one person, family, couple, group can carry or hold or share on their own. And so we come alongside as a church family and, and share that load. Notice it says share. We share it. We, we can't take another person's burden. We, we can't take it off them. It, there are things that sit on us that are ours to carry. But we're called to share those things. In fact, the terminology that Paul uses is very uh, specific. It doesn't just mean like a, a little load or something like that. It means an excess burden, something that's really too much for one person to carry. And so things happen in our lives. There's tragedy or sickness. Uh, stuff happens in, in health or work or all sorts of stuff. Crisis. And in those moments, we need others to share that boulder. So to help us understand that, Paul begins with an example. And so if we go back to verse 1, he says this. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. And so he's saying, look, those of you who don't have a boulder on yourself, come alongside others and share the load so that the weight is distributed so it doesn't crush them. And he, 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 the example he gives is sin. Now, he's not talking about everyday sin. All of us struggle with daily temptation and sin. All of us. What he's speaking about is habitual uh, sin, bondage sin, sin that people are caught in that they just can't seem to get over. It's a pattern. It happens again and again. Sometimes we call that a besetting sin. And when that happens, when a person just can't gain victory, on their own, it's because they can't gain victory on their own. You're not meant to. And so Paul says, instead of everyone coming around this person and we share it with the whole church and everybody knows, he said, those of you who are godly, what he means is those of you who don't have the boulder of that sin or of, of that kind of sin on your shoulders yourself, those of you who have learned what it is to be victorious and who aren't carrying that load, because if you're carrying that load and you try to carry the load of another it will crush you. Worse still, if you come alongside someone to carry their load, let's talk about, you know, he's talking about sin, and it transfers to you, you try and take it completely off them, and all of a sudden you start falling into this sin, and you're caught, you're no better. And so he's saying we have to understand this principle of boulders and backpacks, what we carry and what we don't, what we can carry and what we can't carry. Some of the boulders that we've had in our lives, when uh, Alyssa was first born, she came two months early. And at her first church, we weren't expecting that. And she was in the hospital for a number of weeks and came home and then she crashed, went back to the hospital. And there's a lot for us as new parents. And I was working two jobs, part-time at the church and part-time at a pig farm and still doing all the church stuff. And I, I just didn't know how, like we didn't know how we were going to do that. And so we had this weight in our lives, and friends and family and, and church that came around us and helped ease that. When Stephanie uh, went through cancer treatment a couple of years ago, uh, that was a boulder we couldn't carry on our own, and so we shared that. It's still ours. 
We couldn't transfer that to someone else. Couldn't, you know, no one else can go to appointments or, or have that, that burden or that worry or that concern or those prayers. But we were, in fact, it felt more like we were carried than sharing the boulder. And so we had people, we had friends, family, people from this church, people from other churches, gather around us and support us and help carry the load that we couldn't carry. That was crushing us and saw us through that. The, the point of carrying a load is to carry it alongside someone until it shrinks, disappears, or can be set down. And he says, so you can get back on the path. So think about being on the path. And if you walk along the path and you see someone crushed under a boulder and you say, wow, that's terrible. Hope you get better. And you keep going. <laughs> that's Paul saying, that's not the way to live. And sometimes we do that. If you say, hey, let me take that for you, that's also not the way. But we say, hey, we, we can carry this together. And as we go, it will change. Often crisis, boulders, things like this, they're seasonal. I've had my own personal struggles. Conflict, what to do next, direction things. My own personal struggle with sin where others have come alongside me and have helped carry that for a time so that I can have victory or direction or see through that season. So that's boulders. What about backpacks? Well, verse 4 and 5 says this. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. So we taught last week that we need to have the attitude of Jesus, and we need to see others as better than ourselves, and that doesn't negate love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's not putting ourselves down and aside, and we don't take care of ourselves, and we get ruined and beaten up and battered and, and trying to make other people well, and we're a ruin. We, we can't do that. But what Paul is saying is that don't just look to all the boulders and needs and things around you. Pay careful attention to what you're doing, your calling, what God is doing in your life. Because when you do that, as you follow God, as he's leading you, you'll have satisfaction in your relationship with him. Verse 5 is in a great translation in New Living Translation. So here it is in the English Standard. For each will have to bear his own load. Okay, there's that word load again. And the term that Paul is using is cargo. Or most often that term uh, has to do with a pack that the military would carry. So think of a hike or going, you know, you're in, you're in a, a unit and you've got your packs with your stuff. Now if you go on a hike with other people, some people can carry more than others, but everyone has to carry their own load. So this is different than sharing burdens or boulders. This is the pack that you all carry. Things that we all carry is responsibility for my own emotions, my own well-being, uh, what's in my life. I have to work my job to take care of my family. I have to take care of my finances. If I mess something up, I have to fix my mess. Now, some of those things may become boulders for a time and others carry them because they're just too big. But it's still, whether it's a boulder or a backpack, it's still mine. And I'm still called to bear that. Now, what Jesus says about loads and things is interesting. He says, you know, follow me because, you know, my burden is easy. The, the burden I place on your shoulders is easy because this is a yoke. It's, it's a farming tool with two oxen. I'm walking beside you. I, I carry your load, no matter what backpack you've got in life, you always have me. So my burden is easy. My, my yoke, the backpack I give you, the life, it's, it's light. It's easy. I'm with you. So 
even though we are responsible to carry our own backpacks, responsible for our own lives, that's the boundary. Jesus is there with us. Things get, um, things get really messy when we misunderstand backpacks and boulders. Here's two of the most common things that happen. When people act as if um, boulders are backpacks, and we know they're going through something, and we're like, hey, or hey, or however we reach out to them, are you doing okay? Yeah, I'm fine. No, no, it seems I'm good. No, I, can, I, you know, can I bring a meal? Can I do this? Want to go for a coffee? Can I watch your kids? Can I, we're good. And you like watch them and they're like drowning and they're just too proud to take help. And when that happens, it creates isolation, pain and crushing weight for a long period of time. That's unnecessary. But more commonly, actually, as a pastor, the thing that I see is when people treat backpacks like boulders. And so we sometimes ask others to carry for us what is ours to carry. So what's a healthy boundary? As I was thinking about this, I thought of our life. And, and um, when Stephanie was pregnant with our second child, Caitlin, Alyssa was already three or four running around. Um, because of the previous history, she was put on bed rest and some other things. And so our life kind of changed overnight where I needed to figure out how am I going to still work as an as a associate pastor. So at the time I was doing um, halftime youth and halftime small groups, lots of nights and weekends and, and daytime stuff, Sunday mornings. I've got a, 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 you know, a child run around, not in school yet, a wife who can't move. I've got meals and money and all this stuff. How am I going to do all this? And our church and friends and family gathered around to help share that burden, help share that boulder. So I got relief. So uh, the church permitted me to um, uh, work at home in the afternoons before remote work, because someone from the church had offered to watch Alyssa during the morning. So I'll get back to that in a minute. Uh, And so I could do full kind of work in the mornings, and then be at home to kind of half work, half dad, half husband, however I needed to. Uh, People would send meals now and then, especially when we had appointments, we would often find a pot of soup on our our doorstep. Um, And so, you know, that that was great. And um, we had someone who would come over and clean every couple weeks, and uh, we had people who offered to babysit. Often we just hired a babysitter for my night meetings um, to watch Alyssa and things like that. So I still tidied, I still cooked, I still, you know, cleaned, and did, I did everything I could, but I couldn't do it all, and I would have gone under, and I couldn't do all the church stuff, and I, but because others helped carry or share that load, I could keep doing the things that were my responsibility with the help of others. Now, what made that healthy, especially the, the family who watched Alyssa in the mornings, is because they said, you know, we see what you're doing, and though we have a full-time daycare, uh, like uh, all-day daycare, we're full. But I can take Alyssa for the mornings for this season of time. They put a boundary, not because they didn't see our plight or they were mean to us or didn't like us. That's as much as they could reasonably handle. And actually, it's all I really needed in the end. We saw them this Christmas uh, at a store, and we were chatting. We still have a great relationship. But imagine what the relationship would have been like if I said, that's not good enough. Don't you see what I'm going through? How heartless are you? Look at your life. You have your food and your kids and your money. You're not going through this. What about me? 
You don't like me, love us, you don't care at all. So unless you do this, we're not cool. That's kind of extreme, but people do that in small ways. If they had said, you know, no completely when they had a prompting, that would have been difficult for us. If at, at the end of that season, when Caitlin finally arrived and we entered into the normal, horrible days of first baby, you know, babies, your second child, and you're up sleepless, and there's all this stuff. That's normal. You know, everybody has some family, hopefully, and some others who kind of, hey, I'll help you, here's a bit of diapers. But it's not like most people have someone come and do that for them, right? That, that's, we, we went through this time where we had a boulder into a time where we just had a really heavy backpack. And if I had said to the church and the people around me, uh, you got to keep this going. This is really hard. So I expect to work from home every afternoon. We want free babysitting in the morning, more babysitting at night. In fact, I want less time out at night because I have a baby now. Don't you understand? Youth group can go to a, you know, every other week or something like that. If I had said, extend this, here's what I want. Lighten my load. I don't think I'd have a good relationship with <laughs> that church, with friends, with family, or with that uh, couple we saw. Because there's a boundary. There's a backpack we had to carry, even if it's heavy for a little while with all the baby stuff, right? We have to determine what's a backpack and what's a boulder. The crazy thing is this. The, one of the, the purposes of us having our own stuff, right? Carrying our own stuff, being responsible for my feelings, you know, my youth pastor said it like this when I was struggling through this and I, um, when I was a young adult. He said, you know, you are responsible for what's in your backyard. Your backyard's a mess, you've got to clean it. Someone else throws something from their yard into yours, you've got to fix it. You throw something from your yard into theirs, you're responsible to deal with <laughs> doing that and go help clean it up. And carrying our own backpacks, being responsible for what's in our own yard, pay attention, pay careful attention to what's going on inside you, your calling in your life, not as over and above others, but not so that you're struggling and they're doing well. Do this because it's training, just like if you're in the army or you're CrossFit or whatever, it's training to carry heavier loads. And the more you learn to carry your own backpack and be healthy in life and become emotionally healthy and relationally healthy and spiritually healthy and manage the general stuff of life, the more ability and opportunity you will have to carry or share the boulders of others. To the degree you can't handle your own stuff, which is, that's just part of life in some seasons, you won't have that ability. And to the degree that you find boundaries healthy, you'll find that there's more help available and you're more available to help. One of the, one of the uh, resources I read a few years ago going on a missions trip, um, I had recommended to me from someone else. It's called When Helping Hurts. And they talk about crisis and bolder situations in three categories. And they, they talk about um, uh, rescue, relief, and development. And when someone goes through the initial stages of a crisis, they need rescue. Think of a hurricane, a flood, a tornado. There's no house. They have no money. The work's wiped out. They cannot possibly take care of that themselves. They need absolute rescue, like absolute rescue. But then there comes a time where they need relief, where instead of 
them going through this horrible natural disaster and watching while teams of people come in and rebuild the house, they need relief. It's still their house. So as they start the rebuilding process, others come alongside and relieve them, carry the burden with them. And then there's development. Development is learning skills and tools so that if at all possible, you don't end up in that thing again. Now, natural disasters, that's a terrible illustration for that. You have no control. But personal disasters, personal crisis between you and another, relationships or whatever it is, if, if you need it to be developed so that it doesn't happen again. And it's very difficult for us to do that because when we offer rescue again and again and again, we don't help someone be able to carry their load so that they can help carry the burden or boulders of others in a healthy way. This is how a body works. We go in and out of crisis, in and out of seasons where we need people to share and carry our load and others where we can bear the burden. It doesn't matter if you know a lot of people or a few. We all have this opportunity, Paul says. We need to find balance. We need to learn a healthy balance between backpacks and boulders. What we're called to share with others and what we you know, carry ourselves. Balance your boundaries by sharing boulders and by bearing backpacks. So you balance, your, <laughs> you balance your boundaries by figuring out what's reasonable for you to be carrying, what's reasonable for others to be carrying, and what you share. Balance your boundaries by sharing boulders and by bearing backpacks. Um, so here's a few questions um, I, I want you to ask yourself just as, um, as we head to a close. And I'll get the worship team to, to come up uh, to uh, lead our closing song in a moment. So consider these questions. What am I carrying right now that's not mine? So just stay there. I know your mind wants to go somewhere else. But what are you carrying right now that's actually not yours? You're carrying somebody else's stuff. Sometimes that's things like, you know, adult children who are living in your house and not getting a job and you're frustrated and you, you don't want to be mean and make because it's a hard life. That's an example. What are you carrying? Maybe that's not yours. Maybe it's a healthy thing you're carrying and it's a good thing, you're, but it's not yours. So just think about what you... What are other, others carrying of yours that's not theirs? So first of all, you just have to simply define. What are you carrying that's not yours? What are others carrying of yours that's not theirs? Just... Just know that. Then the next question would be to ask would be, between what I and others are carrying, is there a reasonable and healthy balance between backpacks and boulders? In other words, between what we're sharing, whether I'm doing kind of the carrying of someone else's stuff or they're doing the carrying of mine, between that, what's reasonable? What's healthy? Is it causing bad feelings? Is it bringing us closer together? Is it long enough? Does it need to be longer? Is there hard feelings? Is, is, is there love? Am I carrying something that really, if they learn to do that, it'd be better? Am I expecting them to do something for myself? Because though it's easier, it's becoming more difficult on them. And if you answer that question, no. <laughs> like, no, there is not a healthy boundary. Consider what boundary needs to change. Be very specific in that. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's emotions. Maybe it's, you know, closeness. Maybe it's a money thing. 
Maybe it's how they speak to you, whatever it is. Most common in the church, we believe that boundaries and saying no and having limitations to our time and energy and money and all this stuff is wrong and unhealthy and mean and unchristlike. And we couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, when we don't have healthy boundaries, that causes so many problems within the church, within our families, and within our communities. So here's some examples of what that might look like as you consider, what am I carrying that's not mine? What are they carrying that's not theirs? Is there a healthy balance? And if not, how do I need to shift this? How do I communicate that? So here's an example. You're restoring someone who's in this besetting sin. And you start to meet for accountability, and it's been a year, there's no traction, and this other person starts to lay blame on you. You haven't been available enough. You haven't done enough for me. I would be free if you would. That's an unhealthy boundary, and you need to consider how to cut that off because they're asking you to bear what's theirs. Another example, someone's in a small group moving next week, and they say, hey, who's available to help me move? right? You're free, but you're tired. What do you do? What do you do? Is it wrong to say no? No, not at all. Is it right to say yes? Absolutely. But you have to determine for yourself what is right. If, you, if that's going to make you go to burnout, you, you have that conversation. We need to stop lying. And Sorry, grandma's coming over. Thought your grandma was dead. Well, <laughs> right? We just need to be honest with one another. That helps a relationship. Better to say no and be honest than to say yes and get bitter, right? Final one. Your friend is out of money again and again for bills. You've helped out before and they come to you again. They're wearing a new coat and carrying a Starbucks. What do you do, <laughs> right? These are the practical stuff. If we're going to be people helping people follow Jesus, we need to balance our boundaries. And the best way to do that is by sharing our boulders and by bearing our backpacks and knowing the difference between the two. Let's pray. Father, thank you for such practical stuff that you worked into Paul's life and, and we can see as we look at the narrative of his life, even the snapshots we have where he had to do that, where he had to say uh, no to someone uh, like John Mark or Demas who had um, let him down and, and deserted him on missionary journeys and, and said, said no to coming back. But thank you that there's others like Barnabas who, who opened that boundary and, and, and would take them back again. And that you give us personal choice and ability to, uh, to say yes and to say no, to place healthy boundaries. I pray that as we do this in a spiritual way and even a, a relational way, that you would grow us closer together because we would recognize where we end and someone else begins what we are responsible for, what someone else is responsible for, and what we can share so that we are all healthy and doing our own part together as a unified whole in this church family. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Would you stand again with us? Just what you say Though the storms may come and the 
thankful that we can meet this morning and that you, uh, you have uh, firm but uh, pliable boundaries. You don't manipulate us into following you or doing your will, but you invite us to. And when we do, you invite us in fully, despite flaws and failures. And You're always willing to help. You're always faithful to us. And so we pray that we would have that same sense with one another. You'd help us to know when to say yes and when to say no when to draw close and when to give some distance with the boundary. That we might be in good relationship with you as we are in good relationship with one another. Father, we thank you for such practical teaching. and It's such a hard thing to work out. And I'm sure there are families and and people think about relationships this morning where this is very much um, a struggle and a hard thing. They don't know what to do or how to say the right thing or um, how do I say no, how do I say yes. Um, will I offend? Will I ruin the relationship? But God, we thank you that you're involved in each of these situations. And we ask you to give us the courage to be loving beyond our ability in your way, in your time, and with your strength. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. If you're able to stack the chairs, that'd be